nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, and we're joined by erstwhile champion of the category, Mark Winterbottom. Mark, it's... Uh, I imagine you were chomping at the bit to get back into a race car soon. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, really excited. It's uh, a bit of a weird um, season at the moment again, it's turned into because uh, we were prepped for winter and ready to roll. Um, sort of had your, your test day, your mindset on that, and then uh, we didn't get to go out, super soft tyre, all those things that were going to happen. Uh, now, yeah, for Darwin, we, um, we get all those sort of firsts again with the super soft tyre, so um, yeah, really looking forward to it, just getting there will be nice and <laughs> making sure they let us in and once they do that it'll be nice to, to go racing. The uh, Hidden Valley track is obviously one I've been to lots of times, you've been to it almost probably more than. It's a track that uh, it has a lot of appeal about it, doesn't it? Quite apart from the fact of the longest straight that we have, but it's an interesting track to drive on I imagine for you. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I like the fact that it's got the big the big drag strip down the down the front straight and then uh, it's quite technical in the middle there's little curves and um, exit curves and where you position your car can have a big impact so um, a few little tricks of the trait that if you get it right the car really hooks up so I like that technical bit um, you know across the middle there and and then obviously the heat that's the uh, that's the big thing too about Darwin you get hot racing, you get high degradation. Although pretty high grip track, you get high degradation and uh, and some good racing. So, um, yeah, always loved it. It's, it's one of the favourite rounds of the year. And um, the track's good. I think the format, the, the heat, and uh, all that sort of throws in the mix to make it one of the best events. So, uh, yeah, definitely high up there. And it's been quite friendly to me too with results. So I probably like it even more for that reason also. Well, a lot of drivers say it's just explorers. I mean, I think one of the fascinating things is, and I remember going up the very first year we went there when Russell Ingle, I think, was the, the winner of the round. But um, the very first time we went there, I walked up uh, round the back of uh, the S's and uh, watched the cars, and there's a couple of places that you can see cars going round corners more than at any other track. Um, it's a fascinating one for engineers to go and look at because they can learn a lot about the way a car moves, can't they? Yeah, oh, it's very visible. You obviously can see the whole track from uh, from a few points. So um, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing once they start watching it and getting involved because sometimes the uh, um, they can see things that uh, can can sort of not confuse them, but um, but they start to to read into it as well. So um, yeah, it's obviously that hairpin's a great spot to watch from. But what you learn from the outside and what you learn from inside and also the data sometimes is different but uh um but yeah from a fan point of view they they get to see the whole track it's 
it's a very cool place in that in that aspect where literally pick a spot. Um, sometimes in the back of a, a ute with a blow-up pool or something, whatever they've got up there, um, they can see the whole track in comfort. So uh, very unique. It's the, one of the only tracks, genuinely, probably that and Willow Bank. You can see, uh, you can actually see the whole track. So um, very unique. I'll, I'll draw your attention to the fact unique is one of those absolute words. You can't be a little bit pregnant. You can't be a little bit unique. Unique is an absolute, okay? So it is unique track. <laughs> But one of the things that, uh, about your career is that because you started in uh, 03, you started in the main game? Uh, 04, 2004. 04. Okay, 03, you won the championship in the uh, development series. Kind of, and yep. um, that you have actually been in all the phases of the category since its development. Um, now... You did two years in the development series with Stone Brothers, is that correct? Uh, one year, one year in Conica back then, um, or development series. So, yeah, 2003 was uh, was the Conica series back then, and uh, 2004 straight in with Larkham. So, yeah, only one year, one year with Stone Brothers. And, of course, your, your teammate at uh, Stone Brothers would have been um, Marcus Ambrose and Russell Ingle wouldn't have been there at first, would he? Uh, yep. Yeah, no, it was Ingle and Ambrose were the two at the time. And and your car was, uh, you know, a slightly older car than theirs, but obviously, you know, a championship winning car, it, it proved to be for you as uh, they went on to win the next three championships, four, five, and six, or three, four, five. Is it, you've seen the development and the changes of the cars over the years, and now we're getting ready the next uh, iteration of this category, the Gen 3 as it's called. Um, I, I know you've made some comments about paddle shift. Let's deal with that sort of the most high profile aspect of it. Your feelings about the paddle shift, if it was to come into uh, supercars? Uh, well, I've, I've seen, yeah, like you said, a lot of different generations of car, but I don't feel like any have had um, probably the biggest change to what we're seeing now in terms of. Uh, you know, what's coming. But unfortunately, we haven't really as drivers seen or been involved with anything really. So that's the, that's the hard part. So for, for drivers to be commenting on the cars um, is very difficult at the moment because we get told minimal. So um, the biggest thing that they're chatting about at the moment is obviously the paddle shift. So I'm here or there about it. I think if it saves engine costs and all that sort of stuff, we'll... So be it, but um, but you know, there's lots of aspects of this car that are going to take place. So I, I kind of know as much as someone listening to your podcast or um, or reading Auto Action or whatever, or Speed Cafe, or whatever it is, because um, you, you, you kind of read about what's happening and not know. So the the biggest thing has been paddle shift because that's the biggest fundamental driver change, but um. So much about this car um, is different. You know, they're less aero, they're, they're lower, they're wider, um, and so on. So, you know, crate engines, controlled bits. It, it is genuinely, I think, the biggest shift in our sport we're going to see. So I hope, hopefully they include some drivers soon because um, you need to get it right. And if they don't, this is the biggest shift to our sport I think we've seen for a while. So, um, you know, for me previously... The cars have been, although different, 
not massively, you know, your, your motion ratios and stuff change in the rear and to set up, she changed it a bit. But what we ran in 2003 in a Konica car or a Super 2 car isn't that far-fetched from what we run today, to be honest. But predicting and, and reading and sort of getting an idea of what's happening next year, it feels like a, a, a completely different car. So interesting times and hopefully... Um, yeah, hopefully they get it right because you get one crack at it sometimes and obviously they put it off to mid-year and all that sort of stuff to make sure they do. But um, this is a bigger shift I think we've seen that sport from a car point of view um, for, for my time in the sport. So, um, yeah, interesting times ahead. You have had the opportunity to run what is a very, well, what appears to be a very spec car when you went over to do the Brazilian was it Brazilian NASCAR or Brazilian supercar or I can't remember the car. Yeah, Brazil, Brazil stock car. Stock car, that's it. And um, those cars have got a lot of a lot of things that make them cheap to run, but I honestly don't know, are they cheap to run? Well, the biggest thing in Brazil, um, one, their car is fantastic. I actually really enjoy driving their car and they run a crate engine, they run control brakes, they run paddle shifts. Um, but they don't run auto blitz. So when you downshift, you still got to um, feed on some throttle to get it in and all that sort of side. So I, I really, yeah, enjoyed driving their car. But the biggest thing that makes Brazil stock car cheap is the staff. You know, like they run, um, they run two cars for about 1.2 million US a year. So um, you know, in Australia, what's that? 1.6 um, for two cars for I think it's 10 rounds of a championship per year but the staff get paid so little over there like you couldn't you just couldn't do it here so um but you know their engines are twenty thousand dollars their the parody was just so good over there it was it was literally drive down the straight and it just they were dead set even all 38 cars were there was no gun engine there was no this or that they were very very even so um, they run a Pirelli tyre, a really expensive Pirelli tyre over there and um, kind of in between a GT car and a supercar for grip. But in terms of parity, I've never seen cars so close. Um, obviously, we are very close here, but in, in particular over there for a controlled category, they were they were so close. So um, I, I, I assume that's what our cars are going to next year. But um, but like I said, we, we kind of don't know all the ins and outs of it. So... Um, but that's a good reference, you know, that Drizzle Stock Car. If they could replicate what we've got as an entertainment here and that sort of car and racing and all that sort of side of it, it'll, it'll really take our sport to a next level. So, um, yeah, like I said, interesting times to see where we go and where it ends up. But, um, yeah, that were good fun, great cars to drive. Were they a common body across all the different manufacturers or were they genuinely different aero packages on each? So they had two brands over there. So same chassis, controlled um, engine, controlled uprights, controlled brakes, controlled wheels, you know, so on, so on. So pretty well buy a kit car and off you go. Um, and it was Peugeot and Chevrolet. So you had two body shapes uh, and they were very, very similar. So um, so two body shapes uh, and that that's kind of what it was. I think it's now all Chevrolet and they've changed their rules a bit over there. But the last time I drove it was Peugeot and, and Chevrolet. And as it would turn out, you sometime later land in a team and have a Brazilian 
engineer looking after you. It's interesting yeah. how the uh, world turns. Yeah, he's Venezuelan, so he's pretty close, but um, South American. So, uh, but he actually worked in the Argentinian um, Stock Car Championship back before he came here. So um, it's, it's good over there. They're actually very because they control bits and control cars. They've got to really work um, quite hard to get the most out of them. So you know, I always thought someone from over there would make a great engineer here because the way they race, I just think really suits what we do here and um yeah he's great i, I love him as an engineer he's uh great temperament um you know very clever and, and we get along really well so um it's bizarre yeah like if i went back over there to race i'd try and take him over because one he speaks english which is a big benefit for when you race in brazil because um portuguese is is not uh not easy to understand especially when they're emotional on the radio you've got no idea what they're saying so um and, you know, it, it's nice to work with, with good guys. So, um, yeah, we're lucky we've got him and he's, he's been a great asset to the team and it's uh, second year with him. So, um, and obviously with COVID and everything, we spent a lot of time together. So, um, yeah, bizarre how it all sort of works out, but he's, uh, he's very good. Yeah, like I said, they work really well over there, the, the engineers, and it's a great kind of uh, place for us to go and look for engineers. Um, because they, they do match really well here. And from memory, you're into bikes as well, and he had that stint in the um, Moto Series as well. Yeah, so they, they kind of done everything. That's the thing about um, over there. They they do everything because they don't make a living out of just one category a lot of the time because the money is not as high as what, uh, you know, you get paid here. So um, they do multiple categories, and, and they're very... Uh, they're very rounded in what they do when they come here. So um, supercars, you need good people, and and um, yeah, he's definitely one. So uh, and he's he's a good guy. We watched him surf yesterday, and um, he's not a normal engineer, but he gets out there and has a crack and uh, does anything and doesn't mind falling off and whatever. So um, he's, he's a good guy to have around. And Phil Keed is in the team too, and that's a voice you were very familiar with from your FPR days. Yeah, it's great having Phil, and and um, he's based in Queensland, so um, but still very hands on, and and um, and yeah, it's nice to have familiar people. Although you know you join a new team, when you have a familiar person, that makes that transition feel a lot more comfortable. So uh, you know, Phil's a Phil's a genius, and. And um, again, lucky to have him as well as Krusty and you know, and all the team. We're, we've really built a good team at Team 18 now, and um, it's exciting times because we've got you know with this car, we're we're coming to an end of an era with it, and um, but going into next generation car, it's uh, you need a lot of smart people and not all doing the same stuff. So you don't want four of the same personality or the same skill set you want four different strong um you know personality mind and skills and uh we've kind of got that all our guys are, are different so crusty very practical i guess manuel's a bit of both and then phil's obviously uh very very smart so um yeah we've got a really good mix now at turn 18 and important times moving forward because Especially the way it's going to run, rolling a new car around mid-season. Um, the the guy who or team or girl or whoever it is gets on it first, they're going to get the best results and potentially 
can snag a championship mid-year. So um, we're in pretty good shape. But, uh, yeah, a lot's going to happen between now and then, I'm sure. One of the things that distinguishes Team 18 is that you've got a team manager in Steve Henderson who was a, a race engineer and had worked across a variety of categories, not only supercars but also in GTs and things, and, which means that you've got a very strong base of, of uh, good thinking um, behind your, your team. You, you talked about that a, a second ago, but it must be uh, enormously satisfying. I mean, you'd know enormously of Richard Holway's reputation and now to be experiencing that, to add to what Phil Keed and Manuel and Steve Henderson, it it, it must, uh, or obviously in Charlie Schwerkholt would be enormously satisfied to have put that team together with you and Scott Pye driving for them. It's a very strong group. Yeah, it is. And, um, and it's great that you build an, an environment and a team and that people want to join. And, you know, all those guys have got options. They're not just desperate for jobs they're, they're obviously in high demand so um you know charlie's done a fantastic job to put it together and kind of when i joined in 2019 it um was a completely different looking team to what we've got now so um you know i, I said to charlie you always want to have a team that you know people sort of fight to come to and and um you want to be saying no to people not desperate to for people to come and um, you know, he's such a good boss and runs a great show. It's, it's no, you know, once you're in there, you understand why people want to join it. But um, yeah, very lucky. It's, it's a great mix. And then also our crew chief is Johnny Moore. So he was my number one at Pickford in 2015 when we won the championship. So we've got great history together there too. So we've got the right mix of engineering mindset and then um, the mechanical mindset as well. Uh, in the team to make it work because you, you always need that, that balance. Like I said before, you need different strengths, but you need smart people and you need, you know, certain goals. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're really well covered and, but you've got to get results. There's no use having all these things and not getting results. And that's, you know, where Charlie is invested, he's done the work and he's got the team, then we need to deliver. And um, I feel like we're getting there. I feel like it's a slow slow process but um you know when i joined we were 23rd i think he was and at the moment we're six so we're going in the right direction and i think you know gen 3 should really suit our team more than anyone because we're currently a customer and people aren't um, you know our competition aren't customers um we're in gen 3 we should all be customers of supercars or the control bits so for us gen 3 should just feel normal where to others they're going to have to adapt so um you know for me i think team 18 gen 3 we we should be more competitive moving forward and um you know time will tell but we're set up well i'm, I'm really you know happy with the where we're at it's, uh, it's a great team strong lineup and results will come it's just taking a bit of time i saw some news today frosty which is sad news particularly because you were a carter in new south wales John T. Basquale posted on Facebook that Colin Hurst passed away today in Wyong Hospital. I don't know if you used to use Hurst engines, but you certainly were in the karting scene there and you would have known Cole and, and Colin and his uh, his materials. Yeah, we actually ran a, uh, a Hurst engine um, when we won the 1996 Nationals in 
as if I've got a bad memory, but you remember the good ones. Um, 96 Nationals at Gladstone, and uh, the engine was really quick. And I actually sold that engine to Dumbrell's for a, for a ridiculous amount of money, which funded my karting for another for another year. And that we, we ran Hearst for a little bit, but that engine, it, it was it was a really good engine. And, um, yeah, he, he was a bit of a legend of the sport. He uh, worked very close with Tim Craig, who was also another big name of the sport. Um, and... Yeah, build build a great show. So it's yeah, it's sad when you see these guys um, fall away because, and you know, they're, they're the guys that groom the, the kids. They put a lot of effort in, and engine builders are a big part of uh, the whole process because they teach you a lot and um, they put a lot of time and effort into uh, you know for you to get results. So um, so yeah, we ran Hearst for a little bit, but uh, yeah, obviously sad. It's uh, they're at an age now. A lot of the the, the carters from from that era, um, yeah, you miss. You know, even you know, look at Jim Morton and those guys as well. Um, it's very sad. There's no there's no good story when you um, yeah when you hear this. So definitely sad news. And uh, he was a big part of sport, especially you know Troy Hunt, who was one of my sort of main competitors back in the karting days. He ran her. Um, so yeah, obviously. He caught me, or caused me a few issues as well with uh, your main competitor with a fast engine. So, um, yeah, definitely, yeah, sad news. I, I was lucky enough to meet uh, Jim Morton, um, you know, only towards uh, the very end of his life. But um, I do remember the impact he had on uh, both yours and, and Jason Bright's, I know, directly. Um, Formula Ford, you know, is uh, uh, a wonderful category and, you would be, I imagine, absolutely delighted to see the things that are happening now in the background. Um, you'd be well aware of the mistakes that have been made. I won't say by who, but you know, it's an important category. Can you just talk about why it was so important for you when you got into the development series of Stone Brothers that you were so much better prepared because you'd been in Formula Ford? Well, I was lucky. I, I ran with Mike Ball and at Spectrum there, and they they run a professional outfit. So, uh, you know, carding very good results and whatever you, you you learn your craft and all that side. But you work with your family, and then you go from there to working with a team and understanding people. You know, mechanics, um, data, uh, aerodynamics. Uh, not slipstreaming, all that sort of race craft that karting doesn't teach you. You go to that next step and learn. And um, you know, Mike ran an incredible program there, and and uh, and the budget. It was the progression. You, you spend. Um, I think we ran off one hundred twenty thousand dollars for the year. You know, some competitors were over the two hundreds, but you could still be competitive at at that amount. Where you know these days, you literally. I'm out of karting, and what? Where do you go? It's it, it, there's no direct category, and that back in the day was the perfect thing. You go karting, Formula Ford, Conica Series, Supercars. That's it. And then uh, there was four levels or whatever. Now you you come out of karting at Formula Ford, Porsche, Aussie race cars, Utes. Um, yeah, the list goes on. Formula Four or whatever it's got, like so many options. So. Um, 
yeah, you know, from a Ford 30 car field, there's no better way to learn your racecraft, learn how to deal with emotions, a little bit of PR, a little bit of um, you know data and all that stuff. It, it gets you ready. So I feel they missed, uh, we've missed that. And looking now that the young crop of guys coming through, it it missed. Like you, you can't pick that that guy's going to make it in um, like we could back in the day. So. I think it's massive, really important, and um, it should be the feeder category to, to Super 2. It, it always was, and um, like I said, it, there's a massive gap they need to fill, and to see it getting traction again, it's a uh, it's good sign. So they need to be on the calendar, and um, it needs to be the feeder category because at the moment, too many too many options add too much money, and you, you're missing good talent um, purely for that reason. It used to puzzle me enormously. I had a, a terrific uh, interview with Mike Baller, which we're currently running on Inside Motorsport, and talking to him about it and, and uh, the development of Formula Ford. The thing that always puzzled me is to why in which, you know, that far too much of a Formula Ford driver's budget, whether it's his family budget or a sponsor budget, far too much of it was being spent in motels, uh, airlines and, and travel. You should be spending far more of it on the actual event racing. And that the idea of actually running Formula Ford so that you were having to go to Darwin and, and Perth, it's just crazy. You know, they should be, you know, a, a limited number of times. Would you agree with that? I mean, spending all that money on, on the air, airlines and motel rooms, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I can guarantee we didn't spend it on hotels because it was a running joke when we raced at Malala with uh, with Mike and um, he had, uh, I think he had four nights in his room and I had six and he complained that he didn't have six. So we went, <laughs> we weren't spending it on accommodation. But um, but yeah, like going to Perth, it's massive. It's a massive task and um, we spent a lot of money to get there. I actually couldn't afford tyres, um, brand new tyres for Perth and a local guy in Perth um, actually funded me a set of a set of Avon tyres because, like you said, we spent all our money just to get the car there. We had none left to buy tyres, so we were just going to run unused and um, get through the weekend to get some points and come home. So it's it's crazy and it's yeah, we've got a lot of good tracks, but it's hard. You almost need to have your car based. You know, like at Mike's, and if you're from Perth or you're from Darwin or you're from somewhere, you need to practically, I think, pay him to run it. They fly in, race, and go home because it's way cheaper to do that than it is to get the car to over in a state to get the whole crew there and to and to race. So, um, an Eastern Championship would work really well. Um, and you know, there's there's obviously a lot of tracks. So, uh, but yeah, it's 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 there's no. You know, look at Super Two now, six rounds or seven rounds, and it's they're up over eight hundred thousand dollars for some teams. It's um, it's crazy numbers. So uh, you know, Formula Ford, you should be able to still run at a really competitive price. Um, and yeah, it's still with travel, it's still a lot cheaper than what the feeder categories are now. So um, there's always a way, I'm sure, but uh, everyone's got so many opinions that that. that where it goes wrong in this sport. Everyone's got too many opinions on, on how it works. Now, you've got three sons. Um, how old is your eldest now? Yes, yeah, so I've got Oliver, 
he was 10, Austin is 8, and Elliot is 2. So have they uh, decided that, gee, Dad, can we have a go at one of these go-kart things sometime? <laughs> We've been down to the, the go-kart um, and had a run, but my, my 10-year-old, he is obsessed with footy, so he, uh, he's gone really well at that. So um, we let him go. And then my 8-year-old loves basketball and footy, so he's enjoying that. My 2-year-old... Um, likes destroying everything, so we're letting him go with that. So it's uh, it's interesting, you know. Like um, I think while you're racing, and I, and I've seen it back in the past with other supercar drivers who had their kids racing. Um, I think you know karting needs to be a family sport. You need to all go together because having a mechanic run your son isn't what it's about. I don't think so. Um, at the moment, it's not possible, and and they don't. They don't ask to, to do it. Um, you know, Oliver, my 10-year-old, loves it. He dissects the race and tells me what sectors I'm on and what person did this and what did that. He's, he's into it. But um, but until I think you can go and do it as a family, we uh, we definitely haven't, um, haven't, you know, haven't pushed it. And, and, and with the kids, it's always, what do you want to do? And, you know, if you said to him Sunday, is it footy or karting? He'd take footy. And if I told my other it was basketball or karting, he'd take basketball. So um, they, uh, they yeah, enjoy it. But it's inevitable one day. They're around it enough that they're going to want to do it. But there's no, yeah, no rush. They'll pick it up if they want later on when uh, when we've got a bit of time and um, we can all do it together. So um, maybe my two-year-old, he likes destroying things. So um, motorsport's probably... <laughs> Probably perfect for him when he's a couple of years older. <laughs> All right. Well, the good thing is that it's not NASCAR, so you're not racing every weekend, and so you do get those weekends of uh, football and basketball that you can you can accompany them. And Renee's not able to, you can step up for those uh, other weekends, which I imagine that you would be, find very enjoyable. Yeah, I'm actually uh, the underage footy coach, so um, <laughs> it's good good fun. Yeah, you. you um, yeah, you know, lucky to race and do what we do. But when you're at home, and it's, and it's probably why the kids don't race, is because when we go home, we do not live motorsport at all. You just go home and you do what you got to do at home, like a normal family. You know, you don't take motorsport home. So um, Friday nights and Sundays is under eight footy, and and yeah, I coach the under eight footy team. So um, and when you go there, it's it's good fun. The kids love it it's great to spend time together and that's the sport they want to do so um yeah we we love it and do everything as a family and um that's what it's about you know you you uh you do what they want to do that's pretty well your life when you've got kids they they tell you what they want to do and you support it and um and then you go go and do it so the under eight they're, they're going all right the, the team they're um yeah a few wins a couple of losses so um, yeah, they're going okay, but it's, it's good fun. Good to get away from motorsport and live a normal life, which uh, which is important. Well, Frosty, uh, you and I have got something in common now. We uh, both are currently under eights football coaches. Uh, did you did you go in and join the AFL? Do you get all the coaching <laughs> tips from there? Because you, like me, come from north of the border, so it wasn't ingrained in us, as uh, many would say. Well, I'll tell you what, I got sold the, um, the, the dummy where they said it's a 10-minute Q and A, and it took me four hours on online. So, um, 
it was I got sold the the dream and it was not right. But um, I feel like now I'm qualified. That if well now I'm probably ready to coach Collingwood given the the online four hour course we did. So, uh, but maybe your under eights and my under eights need to have a little interstate, um, a little state of origin made. Well, uh, that would be interesting. What Western Creek Wildcats up against who? <laughs> You're an Essendon man, so. Oh, we've got the Collingwood Colours. So, oh, no. um, Yeah, we're, uh, yeah, good little side. So we're ready to go. Whenever you want to play, we're ready to roll. Hopefully before they're under 15s, we could do something like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably be playing each other in under 30s. But anyway, um, uh, no, it's good fun, isn't it? It's, it's what it's about. You know, you, you live and breathe for your kids and, um, obviously put everything into the sport that we do. But when you go home, it's nothing more rewarding than, uh, than you know, seeing the kids have fun and um, being part of it. So uh, I love it, absolutely love it. And that's when you're away, the things you miss, just the normal part of life that, um, that you miss when you're away. So uh, good fun, good fun. And if, um, yeah, when I get back, hopefully they're playing again and uh, we can uh, we can get back into it. Well, Mark, I will uh, certainly be watching very closely as you head up to the uh, Northern Territory tomorrow for uh, your uh, second family, as you talk about. <laughs> um, and we'll be watching and, and looking forward to Team 18 and seeing Charlie's cheerful face in the background, uh, enjoying some grand moments as you and Scott uh, put your cars well up and truly at the very end of the top end of the grid. So. Good luck for the weekend, mate. I hope you have a great time and look forward to catching up in person at Winton in July. <laughs> Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. And, and yeah, appreciate it. It's going to be a big weekend and uh, we've got to deliver and pressure's on us to, to do the job. So, um, yeah, pretty pumped. We've spent two weeks of isolation to, um, to sort of get this car up the front. So, uh, big weekend. We can't wait. Look forward to it. And thank you for joining us, Mark Winterbottom. Thank you. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.